let's turn in our Bibles again this morning to Psalm chapter 92. Last week we looked at this exact same text and studied together the cedars of Lebanon and how they are representative of the child of God, the righteous. This morning we're going to look at the palm tree. And I will ask one last time, please stand in the honor of the reading of the Word of God. And I'm going to go ahead and read 12 through 15 this morning and then get into the preaching hour. Beginning in Psalm chapter 92 and verse 12, the Word of God says, The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in Him. Father, this morning we are grateful for all that You are. God, we're thankful for what you're doing in this body of believers. And Lord, we're thankful, God, that because you're a living God, you're moving not only in our hearts and not only in this church, but, Father, across this land and across the globe. And Father, this morning we ask that you would have your way with us. God, we know that your word tells us where two or three are gathered together, Lord, in your name, God, that you're there in the midst of us. And, Father, whether we feel you or not this morning, God, you're here because you've promised that you would be. And Lord, we ask that while you're here, Lord, you would move in our hearts. God, that you'd help us to understand spiritual things. Lord, we pray that if there be any here this morning who are not truly saved, God, that Lord, today would be the day that you'd take the veil off of their eyes and they would see their need to turn from their sins and repent and follow after you and find salvation through the cross of Calvary. God, I pray this morning you'd encourage us, Lord, as your people. Help us to learn from the lesson of the palm tree, God what it is you desire from your people, what it is we ought to be. Lord, I acknowledge right now before these people, and most importantly before you, that I need you to anoint me this morning. God, that there is no power except the power given from heaven. God, that there is no life change, there is nothing that takes place, God, eternal. There is nothing done, God, outside of the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And this morning I pray you'd help me to preach in that power. Lord, we'll be careful to give you only the honor and glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to preach to you this morning on the palm tree. It's an interesting thought, interesting topic. God goes to no small extent to help us get mental pictures of what He expects from us, of what we ought to be. The references are vast from using an eagle to symbolize the child of God all the way to a palm tree and about everything in between. We see several animals used in Proverbs to give us a picture of what the child of God should do, of how we should live, of how we should behave, and at times of how we ought not to live and how we ought not to behave. God's desire, can I say this morning, God's desire is that we as God's people have a deep and intimate knowledge of His desire for us. And what God has done through the blessed Word of God, thank God for the Word of God. Christian, you need to be reading this. You need to know what it says. You need to be in it. Because this here is the map that God has given us, if you will, to make it through this life into heaven. This year, believe me, it has all the instructions that you need. Everything, every question that you have, if you'll search deep enough and long enough and diligently enough, you'll find that God, some way or another, will answer your questions in this divine blessed book. And in this book that we call the Bible, God has given us several examples of of nature. that He tells us nature testifies to the goodness of God. God has given us several examples to try to shine light, if you will, 
in a, in a uh, way that's easier for us to understand concerning what we ought to be and what God expects of us. And in our text this morning, God says concerning the righteous that he shall be like, flourish like a palm tree. Well, in order for us to understand the significance of it, God is the one that said it. In order for us to understand the significance of flourishing like a palm tree, it would do us well to understand some things about how a palm tree flourishes or grows. And this morning I want to share with you some things that I learned as I studied the palm tree. First of all, one of the things that separates a palm tree from almost every other tree in the world this morning, number one, a palm tree grows straight. A palm tree grows straight. Matter of fact, everything about a palm tree is straight. Not only is the center uh, branch of the palm tree straight, but all the branches that come out of it are also straight as well. In Solomon, in the Song of Solomon, chapter 7 and verse 7, Solomon used the palm tree to symbolize an upright, straight nature. Can I tell you this morning, Christians, that people need to be what they say that they are. The church of the living God needs to be a people that are a straight people. In other words, we're not crooked. In other words, we grow up straight. In other words, the the confines of the Word of God are what dictate to us how we will live, where we will go, what we will speak. The actions and the behaviors of the child of God should be straight actions that are in line with the Word of God. Crooked Christians, if there be such a thing, crooked Christians probably do more damage to the cause of Christ than all the devils of hell combined have ever did in the years that they have been unleashed on this earth since the fall of Adam and Eve. It has been said that the number one cause of atheism in this world are Christians who show up to church and worship Him with their mouths and then turn around and leave and deny Him with their lives. And the reality is, brothers and sisters, we are in no shortage of crooked Christians People who speak one thing with their mouth, but grow another way with their life in our day and in our culture. But I want to tell you this morning that I believe God is simply looking for some men and some women who will stand up and say, I will grow upright, and I will grow straight, and I will not go the way of the world. I will not be influenced by the sins of the world, and by the lights of the world, and by the false appeal of the world, but I will serve God with all of my heart, all of my soul, and all of my strength. And I want to tell you this morning, church, I believe it's not going to take a lot of us. God has did the amazing works that He has done throughout the histories of the world with just a small pocket of people who were willing to say, God, though the world turn against you, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A palm tree grows up straight. Not only does the crooked Christian, in my opinion, do more damage to the church and to the cause of Christ than any other thing that comes against us, but I want to tell you this morning that when you don't grow up straight before the Lord, and there is perverseness is another word the Bible uses for it, when there is crookedness in the way that the child of God walks and lives, that child robs himself of the blessings of God. You see, there is no wavering in God. Matter of fact, uh, even in the context of Psalm chapter uh, 92, we see that we are to flourish straight like a palm tree to declare what? That the Lord is upright and that there is no unrighteousness in Him. Can I tell you, this is a simple thing. You've probably heard it a hundred times if you've been in church any length of time. But the word Christian simply means to be Christ-like. That's what it means. God is interested in making sons and daughters. That is, if you will, maturing us into the place of being more and more like Him each and every day. 
If you remember when we studied grace several weeks ago, we went through an entire series on the study of grace. One of the things that grace does eventually, it conforms us completely and entirely, the Word of God says, like Him. We will be like Him. Now that's when we leave this place and enter into heaven. But the principle remains that God is concerned about making men and women who bear His image and walk in His statutes and live as examples to a lost and dying world of what He was when He was here. Now here's a statement I made. The child that lives the crooked life robs himself of the blessings of God. You cannot live a double-minded life and expect God to bless your double-mindedness. James chapter 1 says that when we pray, we should pray not doubting. And that we should not be tossed to and fro. And he says this, that man, quote, should expect nothing from the Lord. The next sentence says he is double-minded in all of his ways. If you are a double-minded, crooked person in the way that you're growing up for the Lord, the Word of God says, quote, you should expect nothing from God. Nothing. Can I tell you, as a pastor, I have had the opportunity to sit down with multitudes of people over the last 12 years. And... One of the things that is so common amongst, if you will, those that just can't seem to make it. They, they want to come to an altar, and, and, and I believe in altars. We have altars here. I'm not knocking the altar. I was saved at one, and I think there ought to be a place in the meeting house of God where if somebody wants to, they can find a place to kneel and meet with God. But... What happens with a lot of folks is they want to come and kneel at an altar and hope that something magically happens and they run right back in to the same old dead place that they've been trying to find life from around the same old dead friends. There is no change. There is no move of God in their life. And they look around at everyone else and they say, how come God blesses them? How come they're so joyful? How come they're so happy? The reason, my friend, is God does not bless perversity. He does not bless crookedness. And we have a response Responsibility as children of God to repent of our sins, all of our sins, all of our wickedness, to flee from the very appearance of evil and follow God. And when you refuse to do that, your life becomes void of meaning and purpose. It's actually, in my opinion, the most miserable place to be. Paul said if all that we have is, is hope in this world, then we are the most miserable people. You might as well go eat and drink and be happy. The Christian that teeter-totters, one, one foot on this side, one foot on this side, and they're living that crooked life, and they aren't growing up straight before God. They've gone too far into religion to have any, for the world to have any care for them. And they refuse to go far enough for God, for God to bless them. And so they spend their life sitting on the fence wondering, how come I can't enjoy the things of the world like everybody else? Why am I miserable, and how come I don't have the blessings of God? Can I tell you, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. We need to grow up straight before God. We need some men and women again in the church to just be what they say they are. Which, by the way, isn't perfect. I'm not talking about pretending that you're sinless. I'm not talking about pretending like you never have failures and that you never have struggles in your mind and that you never have battles. But I'm talking about being honest men and women of God that at least live what we say we believe and have enough integrity to, a, to, to confess our faults to one another and acknowledge that we need help and have people that can pray for us. I'm not talking about pretending that we're perfect and that we're flawless, but I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we need to be what we say we are. Man looks on the outward appearance. God looks on the heart. You're not doing yourself any favors if you convince me that you're doing well. If indeed you're not. You might have the whole world tricked. You might have your husband tricked. You might have your wife tricked. You might have your parents tricked. You might have your children tricked. But brother or sister, you don't have God tricked. 
We've got to grow up straight before the Lord. There can be no crookedness in us. Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can I tell you this morning that you may walk worthy? There is a way that we ought to walk. There is a way that we ought to walk worthy before the Lord. What's wrong with living right? I'm telling you, the church has been pigeonholed, backed into a corner, all under the the false, devilish disguise of love and acceptance. And we're afraid to live righteous anymore. We're afraid to talk about righteousness anymore because we don't want to be pinned as being legalistic. God died to make us righteous, brothers and sisters. That's His term, not mine. It is the righteous that will flourish like a palm tree. And there's nothing wrong with living right, even in 2011. We ought to live right. We ought to have lives that reflect what we say we believe. It's also time, and we need to pray for this in our country. This is Pastor Joplin's opinion, but I believe it or I wouldn't say it. The number one thing that we need in this country isn't better politicians. It isn't a new president. It isn't Democrat or Republican. It isn't a change of our government. The number one thing that we need is some real men of God that will stand up and start to preach the truth in our pulpits and quit tickling the ears of the church so that they can hold down a career and hopefully continue to make money doing what they do until it's time to retire. We need some men that will stand up and preach the truth to God's people and throw the corn out and let it fall where it falls, let it seed where it seeds, and leave the results in the hands of God. And we need some Christians that will do the same. I'm not talking about being offensive, and I'm not trying to be offensive this morning. You've heard me say before, the gospel is in and of itself an offense. We don't need to add to it in the way that we communicate it, but we need to communicate it. There is one God. There is one way. His name is Jesus Christ. There is no way to heaven except through Him. There is no name under heaven whereby men might be saved. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. And I will stand on it. I will live for it. And if so be it, I will die for it. We've got to grow up straight. There can be no crookedness in us. All the branches of the palm tree are straight. The Bible says the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree, straight in all of our ways. This morning, if you're not flourishing, you've got to ask yourself and check yourself, am I honestly straight? Am I truly growing up straight? Or does my heart desire crookedness and the real reason for my religion is to appease that, that, that voice of conviction in my soul that tells me I need to be righteous? That's why a lot of people add religion to their life and to their routine because they're crooked and they know they need an answer. And so they're hoping that by having some church attendance and by calling themselves Christians and by joining this church or being baptized this way or that way, that somehow, some way it will uh, uh, help overcome all of that crookedness. Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 and verse 3, Repent lest you perish. Can I tell you, I know that he that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. But he is the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just somebody. Not just any old person. He is the Lord, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the risen Savior. And Jesus said, why do you call me Lord and not do the things I say? If he's really Lord of your life, then he will make the rules of your life. He will have total rule over you or he's not Lord at all. It's hypocrisy to say that I've called on the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation if indeed you are still the Lord of your own life. He must be king. We must be straight in our ways. Number one, the palm tree grows straight this morning. Number two, the palm tree flourishes even in the desert land. This is another thing that separates the palm tree 
from almost every other tree on earth. Not only does the palm tree grow in the desert, but it flourishes even in the desert land. This morning, can I tell you, brothers and sisters, that we can make it in this desert world. We can. You can flourish where you're planted. And we have the opportunity to choose to look at all the negativity around us and say it's too hard to be a Christian. It's too hard to really be sold out for God. It's too hard. Our culture is so bad. Let's just revert to a cave and hide away from all the evilness until the Savior comes and pulls us out of this wicked place. But I'm telling you, God's desire, brothers and sisters, is that we as the light of this world step into the world and be in the world but not of the world, that we shine our lights, that we don't revert to a cave, and that we flourish even in the desert lands. This world has always been wicked since the fall. Joke about it quite a bit, because I say it too. Our day, our time is so wicked. Well, it is. But every day and every time before this was wicked too. I haven't seen much more wickedness than what I read about Sodom and Gomorrah all the way back in the first book of the Bible in Genesis. What is the point, Joplin? The point is this. That the men and women of God, of great, of, of renowned, of old, that God used in great ways, they had to flourish in the desert too. They had to stand out and they had to stand above the, the mire and the filth of this world and have their eyes focused on Christ alone and say, God, I will flourish where you planted me. You can flourish even in a desert land. Young people, listen to me this morning. Those of you that are high schoolers, maybe getting ready to go into college. Listen to me carefully. You can be a Christian in your schools. You can stand up for God and make a difference right where you're at. You do not have to be controlled by everything else in this world. You do not have to come down to the level of society. You, as a young and ripe age, can still be a shining example of the power and greatness of God, even in the very schools that you're at. It can be done. We can flourish in the desert place. One of the reasons the palm tree flourishes is that its roots penetrate deep below the sands to find water to sustain its life and produce its fruit. There are basically two types of root systems in the palm tree. You've got the root system that most would know from the uh, equator areas. And then you have a root system that uh, is, is more common in the desert lands. Both root systems of the palm tree are unique. Most trees, if you've ever seen a tree uprooted, their roots are big and they get smaller and smaller and smaller till they eventually grow to nothing. The palm tree, on the other hand, if you've ever seen one uprooted, has all these little fibers. And they're the same size at the base of the tree all the way down to wherever they stop growing. And the way that they're made and the way that they form allows them to wrap around just about everything they can wrap around. And it allows the palm tree that is in the desert to go deep down and find water below the surface of the sand. It also keeps the tree from being uprooted, which we're going to look at in a little bit. But here's the point this morning about us. A righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Christian, our roots need to grow deep. Our roots need to grow deep. Listen to me this morning when I say this. God wants a deep relationship with you. The palm tree finds its nourishment from deep, deep, deep within the soil. It does not find its nourishment from what is out on top of the soil. In other words, it goes down to the life-giving water rather than out to the earth. Now, I don't know if I'm going to do a good enough job explaining this this morning, but I'm going to attempt. I want you to see what I see. Most of us in our modern-day American church, our roots go outward rather than downward. 
And we're trying to be fed and nourished from the surface of the earth rather than from the life-giving water of Jesus Christ. Most people come to God because they want God to give them more of the earth instead of more of God. More of the things that are worldly. Bigger homes, bigger cars. More wealth. More fame. More fortune. These things will eventually burn up with a fervent heat and melt away. You're not going to take them with you. You can can accumulate billions of wealth and you're going to leave every penny of it, every last penny of it, you're going to leave here when you die. And the modern prosperity gospel that is poisoned, in my opinion, from the pits of hell has been preaching a message to our to the church that God wants to make you rich and wealthy. God wants to save your soul from hell and make you righteous and holy. And believe me, when Jesus died on Calvary's cross, it was your soul that He was concerned about. It was a relationship that He wanted for you and not to give you a Rolls Royce. But so often, uh, you look, look at our prayer life. Are we asking God for things that are lateral of the earth? How much time in prayer, child of God? I pray God help us to see this this morning. Where are your roots growing? How much time in prayer are you asking for things of this world rather than honestly trying to get your roots deep so that you can have simply more of God and nothing more than God? How much time in your prayer life are you seeking Him or how much time are you asking for God to give you more things of this world? Which way are your roots growing? You see, the palm tree's roots they grow down where the water needs to be, especially the tree that flourishes in the desert. In Isaiah chapter 37, it says, Take root downward and bear fruit upward. Christian, if you're going to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to bear the fruit of God, your roots must go downward. And can I tell you that depth of God, God wants a deep relationship with you. Depth with God requires time with God. I'm going to say it two more times because I want you to hear it. Depth with God requires time with God. Depth with God requires time with God. It's not about head knowledge. I've spent before, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I've spent before six to eight hours of studying and spent no time with God. And there is a time and a place for studying. But depth with God requires time with God. Seeking Him. The Lord, Hebrews chapter 11, the Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I want to ask you something, Christian. When's the last time you were actually seeking God? Now, we can go through a lot of religious motions and not actually be Seeking God. One of the reasons I know that our church is, when I say our church, I mean the church, generally speaking, is so incredibly shallow is because the majority of people in church don't believe God speaks to us anymore. There's only one possible way that you can believe God doesn't speak. You've never heard Him. I mean, that's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. And it's amazing to me how many people are filling our pulpits that will argue that God doesn't even speak. And my heart drops and I think, God, where is our depth? Where is our depth? Are these men seeking God? Because here's the thing. Jesus said this. John chapter 5. The Father shows the Son all things. And He will show you greater works than these that you marvel. But here's the principle. The Father shows the Son all things. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, If your children ask you for bread, which of one of you is going to give them a stone? If you being evil know how to give your children good gifts, 
then how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Now, here's the principle. Jesus said God gives good gifts to those who ask Him. Jesus said the Father shows the Son all things. The Bible says the Lord is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The only conclusion we can logically draw from the man or woman who argues that God does not still speak to us is that that man or woman has not been seeking God. And our roots go outward toward the things of this earth rather than downward trying to find the life-giving water of God. Now I want to be clear. God can speak in an audible voice. But that is not what I'm talking about this morning. In 12 years, I've never heard God speak in an audible voice. I have never had angels fly across the sky and put smoke behind them like, you know, words with a vision. And I'm not saying that cannot happen. God can do anything. This is a God who spoke the heavens and earth into existence and told the stars where to, where to hang. He can. I'm not saying He can't, but what I am saying is this. The way God chooses to speak to us is through that still, small voice inside. And we can be so busy. Most, this is the way most people's lives look. They wake up and it's chaos until they get out the door to work. And then you hop in the car, put it in reverse, put it in drive, turn on the radio. And you go to work and it's noise all day at work and it's, you, you get your lunch and you go back to work and then you get back in your car, noise. And then you run in the house and you try to sit down a little bit and what do you do? <clears throat> turn on the TV, noise. And we have lived and conditioned ourselves to have noise going constantly nearly every waking hour of our lives. And all the while, God's trying to speak in that still, small voice. We can't even hear. Because we're not taking the time to seek God. Listen, if you want to grow deep with God, God wants a deep relationship with you. This is the reason that He sent Jesus to die. Not only that we might be saved, but that He might have a deep and lasting and meaningful relationship with us. And the fulfillment of that, we find it in heaven. But if you're going to grow deep with God, you have to spend time with God. <clears throat> Many Christians are not flourishing because they're seeking nourishment on the surface. They're more concerned about God giving them stuff rather than seeking God. Many Christians are exactly that, surface deep. They're skin deep. There's no depth in them. And it doesn't take much to offend them. And they are gone. One sermon they don't like. One person look at them the wrong way. And all of a sudden they're gone. You see, when our roots grow deep and we're really searching for God, then we come and we do what we do because of our desire to worship Him, not because of our desire to get stuff from other people. Now, the palm tree flourishes even in the desert. When it flourishes there, it produces fruit. Even in the driest conditions, it will still produce fruit. Can I tell you this morning, God wants all of His children to, to produce fruit. We have a responsibility to produce fruit. But I want to make a strong statement this morning. You can mull it over yourself and decide for yourself whether or not you believe it's true. But I want to make the statement, and this is it. All real trees will produce fruit if they're fruit trees. If it does not produce fruit, it is not a fruit tree. And if the Christian does not produce the fruits of the Spirit, then I would venture to say he is not a Christian at all. You plant a tree, whether it be an apple tree or an orange tree, that thing will grow up and produce fruit. And it takes time to produce fruit, but it will eventually produce fruit. God's desire is that we produce fruit. And He has placed the seed of the Holy Spirit in us that it might grow and then produce what? The fruits of the Spirit. It's also interesting about the fruit that the palm tree produces, that that, that fruit 
And some palm trees does not even begin to grow until the palm tree is 50 years old. 50 years old. It teaches us something about our fruit. Matter of fact, in the same text, it says, they shall still bear fruit in old age. Definitely a reference to the palm tree. Matter of fact, not only does a palm tree grow fruit in its old age, but the older the palm tree is, the sweeter the fruit it produces. What a picture of what the Christian is supposed to be. What a picture. I tell you, I, I, I do like the fact that we have a young church. A lot of life in the church. When people ask the average age of our congregation, it is typically quite a bit lower than the average church. And I do like the idea of life. But I want you to listen to me if you're older here. We need you to be producing fruit and showing us what it's supposed to look like. God's desire is that those who have gone on before us are examples to us. And you are never too old, never too old, to be part of the body of Christ and to produce some of the most, the, the best and most precious fruit that anybody can bear. Amen. And you need to be doing it in front of us. You need to show us through your years of experience what it is to have real love for people. To have joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I want to submit to you a lot of those things we actually learn and we mature as we grow in our faith. And I thank God that in God's divine plan, what a awesome God we serve. That while our bodies might begin to break down, and while our bodies might begin to go the other way, God's plan is that our spiritual life continues to blossom, that we continue to produce fruit, and not only that we produce fruit in our old age, but that our fruit gets sweeter and better and has a greater effect on the people that we can live the life in front of. You have a responsibility this morning to be producing fruit, And the best fruit that should grow out of the Spirit within us is going to be fruit that grows after we have matured in our Christianity and after we have grown to a ripe old age. Number one, the palm tree grows straight. Number two, the palm tree flourishes even in the desert land. A third thing that makes the palm tree unique is that it breaks bonds. This is a characteristic of the palm tree that separates it from the rest of trees. It breaks bonds. You know, other trees, when you maybe tie a fence to it while it's growing up, as time goes on and that fence presses against the tree, that tree will eventually grow around the fence and take the fence inside of it. Maybe you have seen a tree that's got a piece of fence wire coming out of it, or maybe it's got an old clothes wire that maybe somebody had and it's it's stuck in it, and, and the tree takes it in. Not so with the palm tree. The palm tree, you can wrap a palm tree with fence, and that palm tree will bust that fence off as it grows. It actually has the ability to break bonds, and it will not take in what is pushing against it. I'm reminded of Romans chapter 12 that says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Can I tell you, there's a lot of stuff in this world that pushes against us and that tries to wrap us up. And if we're not careful, we'll be like all the other trees and we'll just kind of get annoyed by it and decide, well, I'm just going to take it in and let it be part of my life. But the palm tree breaks the bonds. Nothing can hold it in. Matter of fact, you can't even stake up a palm tree very long. It'll pull the stake right up out of the ground. It is one of the few trees on earth that has the ability to break bonds. Child of God, can I tell you, God wants us to break bonds. There is absolutely nothing that should tie us down and hold us back from the work of God. 
There is absolutely nothing that God would have to, to, to wrap us up and keep us from being free for Him and being used of Him in His fullness. The palm tree breaks bounds as it grows. Can I tell you, we've got to be willing to grow in order to break those bonds. We ought not be bound by anything though. God has given us the power to break the bonds and the chains that seek to tie us up and restrict us. Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 18, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in you. Can I tell you, friends, notice the onus is on us. Whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have the responsibility, brothers and sisters, to break the bonds in our lives. And God has given us the power to do so. You ought not be wrapped up this morning in chains. Chains of loneliness, chains of depression, chains of worry, chains of fear, chains of, uh, of, of guilt, and chains of condemnation. And, 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 and there's, I could go on and on. There's chains that seek to bind us up. And I tell you this morning, on the authority of the Word of God, the righteous flourish like a palm tree, and there's not a bond that a palm tree won't break. It'll just keep growing, and eventually it'll bust that thing right off of it. This morning, what are some of the chains in your life, Christian, that are still holding you down? What are the bonds in your life that need to be broken? Know that you are a palm tree, and God has given you the power to break free this morning. We have victory as children of God. We have victory as children of God. We have victory over sin. Victory over death. And brothers and sisters, if our God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, has given us victory over sin and victory over death, then surely He will give us victory over the bonds that try to hold us down and chain us up while we are still yet on this side of glory. God does not want you to be held by your bonds. And I am not ashamed to say that this morning. God does not want you to be held captive by your fear and your worry and your doubt and your pain and your condemnation and your guilt. God wants to break you free from it all. The palm tree just flourishes. Nothing holds it down. Nothing chains it up. No matter what you've done this morning, and I want you to listen to this statement too. No matter what has been done to you, God has the power to break the chains in your life. No matter what you have done and no matter what has been done to you, God has the power to break change in your life. Fourth this morning, the palm tree has the ability to bend in the storm. This also separates it from all other trees. The palm tree can bend in storms and therefore, unlike the other trees, it does not break. Yesterday I looked at a picture of some palm trees and I thought about putting together a PowerPoint presentation, decided not to this morning, but I saw this awesome picture of a set of uh, palm trees that were in a hurricane. And in the picture there was about seven palm trees right next to each other and they were bending straight over. All their leaves were blowing that way. They were over almost at a 90. The palm tree has the ability to bend and not break. And as I looked at that picture, I thought to myself, God, your children, yeah, we go through storms like every other trees, but your children, we've got the ability to bend over and fall at the face of our God in the midst of the storm. And when everything else is breaking around us, we might be bent over and we might have nowhere else to go but on our face in the worship of our God. But He's given us the strength to bend and not break. Thank God that we have the power this morning to go through the storms of life and we've got the freedom to bend over on our knees and worship our Creator God. And we might bend, but we don't break. Some of you know what I'm talking about. In the darkness of night, there's no explanation for it. In the most violent storm of your life, you would have broken in two had it not been for God. 
giving you the strength to just let the storm push you over to your knees where you sit there and worship Him a little while until the storm leaves. And this is what I learned about the palm tree, that when the storm recedes, the tree stands back up. And every time that happens to that tree, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. I'm telling you, God knows what He's talking about when He says the righteous flourish like a palm tree. He's the one that said it. What an amazing study as I studied the palm tree. My heart left when I saw a palm tree bend, but it doesn't break. Child of God, you may be going through a storm in your life. You may have been through a handful by now if you've been serving God any age. And you can stand and testify that God has given you the power to bend over, but not to break. That God has given you the power to fall on your face before God and find strength in that season of the storm. Oh, don't give up, child of God. Its roots don't pull up either, even in the storm. It's evergreen in all seasons. It goes through seasons like all other trees. But regardless of what season it's in, it still gives the appearance of life. And finally, this morning in closing, the palm is a symbol of victory. The palm tree has actually been used as a symbol of victory in many cultures throughout history. But it has stood through the years as a symbol of the land of our Lord. A symbol of the land of Palestine. And the Bible sees them as symbols of victory found etched in the doors of Solomon's temple in 1 Kings chapter 6 and 7. When Ezekiel had a picture of the millennial temple in Ezekiel chapter 40 and 41, we see angels, cherubims specifically, carved on the doors as an entrance into the most holy place. And next to them we see carved palm trees. Palms were used to honor and worship Christ the King into His entrance at Jerusalem in John chapter 12. Can I tell you, if the branches of palms were laid down to worship the King Jesus, oh, then we as palm trees ought to also be willing to lay down and worship our King. And finally, tonight they were, today they were used in Revelation chapter 7 and 9 when John had a glimpse of, of that eternal place that we're headed towards. He said this, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white, with palm branches in their hands. We see the symbol of victory. In Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, first of all, which no one could number. That's a great number, wouldn't you agree? Can I tell you that I... God wins. God knows what He's doing. And there will be a great multitude there one day. And bless His holy name that I'm going to be in that multitude. And we're going to worship Him forevermore. He said they were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I see that we've made it home. We're finally there. We're finally before the throne. We're no longer pilgrims in this weary land. He said they were clothed with white robes, forever free and entirely cleansed from the stains of sin. And He said with palm branches in their hands. It's the symbol of victory. Can I tell you, church, that our God wins? Our God wins. In 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 10, it says that, that, that the earth and all the elements thereof will burn up with a fervent heat. But we look over in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, and there's one tree I still see standing, and that's the palm. Can I tell you, it's a symbol of victory. We're going to make it. Child of God, we're going to make it. Maybe you're going through something this morning as our worship team comes. Maybe you're going through something this morning. Can this preacher tell you, hold on, child of God. Hold on, we're going to make it. Life is but a vapor. It'll be worth the work. It'll be worth the walk. It'll be worth it all the while. And our God will bring us off the field victorious. And we will worship Him forever. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. They grow up straight. 
They flourish even in the desert land. The palm tree breaks bonds. The palm tree has the ability to bend in the storm. And the palm tree is a symbol of victory. This morning, are you a palm tree? This morning, maybe God's reminding you, indeed, you are a palm tree. You're going to make it. He never promised the storms would not come, but He did give you the power to just bend over. When every other tree would be uprooted and everything around you snapping in half and everything else would have broke, there we find the child of God on His face before God finding strength in none other but the supernatural strength of our Almighty God. Father, I pray that you'd move all across this room right now in Jesus' name. Pray for healing this morning, God. You have the power to break bonds. Bonds, Lord. The things that chain us up, God, that keep us, Lord, from growing, God, the way you want us to grow. God, maybe this morning you're dealing with perversity in somebody's heart and crookedness. And Lord, today is the day you're calling them to repent of all their sins and follow after you. Maybe this morning you're simply encouraging a saint this morning, God, to hang on because victory is on the way. Just keep worshiping. That day's coming when a multitude that cannot be numbered stands before the great throne and before the Lamb. Jesus. Oh,